everyone, and welcome to Light Conversations on Trauma podcast. Bringing conversations around hardship into the light. It's me, Peter Middleton, here, and I'll be hosting this podcast. This is a space for intimate and empathetic chat around trauma, big T or little t. We have regular sections to this podcast, so look out for them. And each episode, I'll be joined by a guest who will share their unique perspective. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome everyone to Light Conversations on Trauma podcast. I'm here today with Justin Schaefer. Welcome, Justin. Yes. Hi, Peter. Really good to be here. Yeah. I'm really, really, really happy to be here with you today because we've done a little chatting about um, the process and I'm glad that we've finally sat down to, to record. So that's really awesome. Yeah. I've been anticipating this for a while, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to ask you, what's your vibe, Justin? Uh, My vibe has been created over the past like eight years, and it's to Mm -hmm. share my story, to show people that were in in a similar circumstance that that I was, that they are not alone. Um, Mm -hmm. There are ways to get help Mm -hmm. and that they can change. Mm -hmm. It uh, It is possible to change who you are. Wow. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Thank you for that. Yeah. I'm just hoping that, uh, that people are, are, are able to see that. So we'll see. Yeah. That will come with time, I guess. Yeah. Lovely. Well, um, the first prompt that you picked is what's my inner voice saying? Ooh, that's a full body. Yes. Yeah, that reminds me of something. I like that. What'd you do that for? Oh, they're going to hate me. Be loving. What are they going to think? Oh, I feel so mm, That's tasty. Be kind. I like the smell of that. Don't be so cold. Don't use that language here. Why did you do that? I am love. Hey, what's your inner voice saying? Say, so what would you like to voice in that section? Um, I, I had an interesting uh, relationship over the past about 12 or 14 years with my inner voice because of a head injury, I didn't have that mental voice for several months following the injury. So, um, I, I didn't have to choose to be present. I didn't have to, to choose, um, which emotions I wanted to deal with or which, which direction I wanted to go with my mental voice. You know, for instance, if you, were to close your eyes, you would only be able to hear the refrigerator running, or you could only hear my cats running around. You could only hear traffic. You could only hear, but there's a mental voice there that you sometimes don't recognize um, mm-hmm. that is guiding you in your decision making and how you see people and how you interact with people and how you feel about yourself. Mm-hmm. So by not having that, um, for several months, I realized after a few years, after it came back online, I was unhappy again. Uh, I was anxious. I was jealous. I was envious. I was resentful. Um, and I didn't understand quite why, but it was very evident to me that while my mind was offline, while my mental voice, including my subconscious and unconscious emotional reactions, that triggered these feelings mm. of anxiety and, and envy and resentment were not there. Why was I happier? So that began then with me doing a little research and looking at how the mind works. And I came across at first, um, actually Sam Harris and mm-hmm. while he first started his podcast in about 2014, he had a podcast with Joseph Goldstein, who also, you know, perfectly laid it out, perfectly exemplified for me that if you 
want to better understand your mind than sit down and take a look at it. And from that point forward, I was in, I meditated, I've been meditating every day since then, because I knew that there was the only way I was going to figure out why I was unhappy when my mind was shut off. I needed to better figure out my mind. So, Mm. you know, along with that, um, I began reading Michael Singer and Eckhart Tolle, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and he was real popular at the time, but the, the perspective they give on how the mind works without us really recognizing it was was extremely powerful for me um, and very obvious when you read it the, the way they, they stated it. So mm-hmm. um, that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you yeah, know, at yeah. first meditation was, was very difficult. A lot of people experience this, but, you know, until you sit down and listen, your, your mind talk for five or 10 minutes, you don't realize how active it is, you know, and yeah. my motivation came from realizing that, um, that if all this is going on without me noticing it, you know, I better motivate myself more. Um, you know, and then there was more research done and, and, you know, a lot of research online. Um, you know, I didn't take any classes, but a lot through a lot of schools and dot orgs and dot edus. Um, you know, I, I started realizing that the mind was constructed of our life experiences and our genetics. We are given these ways of feeling and thinking through our childhood experiences and through the genetics we're given, you know? Mm -hmm. So that also kind of increased my motivation with, with meditation and stuff. Um, So it's like this difference between nature and nurture and yeah, like, I hear what you're saying about meditation is the first time I, I started meditation, it was just chaos, right? You sit down, you, like the first time you ever want to observe your mind, it's just like a thousand miles an hour, like just yeah. going everywhere and anywhere and all throughout your life. And it can be very off-putting. I, I remember having a conversation around that time with, with someone, I think it was a friend or a teacher, I can't remember, but it's like, is it? is this normal? Is this supposed to happen or is it always going to be this way? And I think, I think around, and that's an interesting thing around changing, changing your life. And there's often this like really chaotic and, um, part where you don't truly know either who you are amongst your new circumstances or just, there's a bunch of new stimulus that you're trying to work out how you feel about. So it's a really interesting period. of Yeah. And that, that touches on what I'll, I'll bring up again is that there's a comfortability there. You're comfortable um, with what you now see as very uncomfortable. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, you know, and it, um, you know, but that, that goes along with the emotions you feel, even if they're negative, you're still comfortable with them. And mm-hmm. the change is just too hard to, you know, and it's no different than meditation really. So, yeah. Eckhart Tolle yeah. talks about that, right? In the pain body that you identify with the, oh, the pain, you become yeah. comfortable. It's more about like having a, uh, what's it called? It's a, For me, it's more about feeling like I know what's happening rather than if I'm com- comfortable, uncomfortable or in pain or in joy. Like I think the mind really loves like set um, and regular habits, like routines. It loves, mm-hmm. it loves like steady things that it can understand. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you said the pain body. That's that's um, that's also kind of an identity that you have, even if it's painful. And mm-hmm. the shedding of that or the uh, grieving of that, you don't really realize that you're identified with something so painful. Mm-hmm. And the change that you want to make, the change of the person that you want to be, you know, you want to be a different person that's more helpful and more giving and selfless. But in order to do that, you're going to need to shed this pain mm-hmm. body. And in order to do that, you're going to have to get a better relationship with it. There's just yeah. no way around it, you know. And he mentions that in the book too. Yeah, I was obsessed with that book. I find it interesting around your injury, you know, like the fact that you had this injury and it just, completely switched all of that stuff offline so you said you you weren't having emotions at the time and yeah no and 
I still haven't figured out exactly why that was, but um, it was a subdural hematoma and skull fracture. So I think that it shook up the mind so much. Um, you know, there was a brain bleed and, and thankfully for the skull fracture, the pressure was released. Um, mm. So there wasn't as much damage or they didn't have to drill into my skull to relieve pressure. Regardless, mm. um, yeah, and I'm, I'm not sure why there was a silence where that silence was. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't feel the, the anxiety, the, the quiet emotions that come up, you know, when, when you don't ask for them. Mm-hmm. None of that was happening. Wow. So, and I, I, I don't know why, but I'm extremely grateful that I'm still able to walk around and, and, <laughs> and do this today. So, yeah. Yeah. Lovely. So I wondered what else um, you felt called to to speak to in this section or um, whether there's like some regular inner voices that you wanted to share in this. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm going to really suggest the meditation and, and push on that with people who are or who seemed to be lost in a situation where I was feeling lost and alone. When these mm-hmm. mental voices came back online, I had never felt more alone. I had never felt more lost because mm-hmm. I felt so out of control. Uh, there was no control in my life. I was getting these feelings and these emotions and these thoughts that I wasn't asking for. That was a journey in itself. But what, what, I, what I wasn't told was that, you know, you know, sit down and take a look at it. But also, um, I couldn't identify what they were and what they turned out to be was just unresolved emotions. Mm. Uh, trauma is defined, you know, in a, a couple different ways online, <clears throat> excuse me. And what I saw it as was that the mental voice I was hearing was a response to overwhelming and incomprehensible experiences that the mind didn't know how to solve on its own. Right. So it created its wow. own responses to give me feelings of resolved contentment and happiness. Mm-hmm. And that to me is what unresolved emotions are. And once the cycle starts, you get the feelings you're looking for. So you'll listen to the chatter, even if it's not true or um, reasonable or rational. And much of that was cognitive distortions that were created. So my reality became these cognitive distortions, these unrealistic and irrational ways of going about situations and thinking about people and situations. It, it, it's mind-boggling that if you you read up on on um, you know cognitive distortions and mm-hmm. when those would fail to blur the line between rational and reality, or when I was questioned, for instance, mm-hmm. and my mind my mental voice couldn't back it up. I had some narcissistic personalities as well. So, and that was, that was it. It's, it's, uh, so I started, it is. And I, I, it's hard to also admit to that, you know, then there's the admitting that that's actually happening. So I just noticed those more and more. And then, you know, I started diving in deeper and deeper, like really trying to figure out what they were. I got to the point of writing them down. Um, which was helpful every time I would start hearing these thoughts come online that I didn't initiate and I wanted to better investigate. I would write down what they were, what the subject matter was and the time of the day, Um, you know, and that helped me create more space between them. That helped me create more of, um, you know, the time where I can look at it and be like, wait a minute, that wasn't me, you know, and that kind of yeah. helped hold up other structures of the brain that you can answer back, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Then creating that, cultivating that space to respond is so, so important in those yeah. scenarios. But like, I just wanted to speak also to what you're talking about in terms of cognitive distortions. And it's like after trauma, it's, it's like, the mind is incredible because it's malleable and you can make new connections very quickly, the neuroplasticity, but it also works um, kind of counterintuitively sometimes, doesn't it? Like after a trauma, you can, 
you know, I mean, you could argue that it, it's like useful to some extent because it allows you to survive, but then after a while it becomes like um, a negative habit that, that affects your, your life, like kind of burdens your life in a way. Just, well, absolutely. It's totally counterintuitive. Yeah. Yeah. But it gives you the feelings of, which yeah. then becomes, you know, then you realize that's when I started realizing how addicted to emotions I was. The ah. main point of the, the trauma was, and this is what I wanted to highlight as well, is, is um, I f- was starting to realize something was wrong, mm. not just with the mental voices, but with the emotional reactions I was getting around certain situations I was, I was interacting with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's if you feel too easily overwhelmed in what most would consider manageable situations, um, you know, either intimately or in your career or in your home life or social situations, mm-hmm. you probably could use some tools and insight to manage those emotional responses. And none of it is your problem. None of it is your fault. Like this situation happened so long ago, you might not even be able to remember, but you're giving this emotional reaction that was given at that time over and over again, you know, and, 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 and that's what was so frustrating for me, but that's what I wanted to highlight too mainly is, is that there are ways to get help around this. There are many, many tools to, to help you investigate and, and change that habit. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I agree. Mm. That's, you kind of summed it up <laughs> nicely there. I don't, I don't really have anything else to add to that. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and just real quickly, cause I know we have a second, but it's, um, that's what I want, you know, a lot of the people to know is that you, you aren't asking for these emotions, these emotional reactions or these thoughts, but, um, it just, you need yeah. help managing it. You can't fix a car. If you don't know how to fix the car, you're going to need to find a mechanic. You're going to need to find a psychologist that you yeah. have a relationship with. You're going to need to find groups you can talk to other people because there are many out there. Yeah, so. that's a great message. And yeah, that that speaks to like, and it's like unnecessary shame about these things, really. They're injuries, right? Yeah. And they're just life experience. Um, and support systems happen for a reason. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, totally agree. Yeah. Cool. Well, the next section you picked is riding the waves of change. Riding the waves of change. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Well, I didn't realize there was going to be waves to ride. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a classic. I, you know, after I investigated my, you know, mental voice and, and, and started realizing I needed to change it or wanted to change it. Um, after I realized I needed help with things, I needed some outside help. It took me a little while to find a psychologist that I matched up with and they do offer, you know, 10, 15 minute, um, little meetings to see if you match up, which is important. And also, the way they charge um, is a sliding scale, which a lot of people don't understand. And you don't necessarily have to have insurance. So I needed to make that point because oh. I felt lost and, and I had no knowledge either. But that's in the States, right? In the state system. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I don't know. It, it could be, it could be everywhere. Everybody was willing to take cash for anything. I mean, yeah, for sure. I think, so, I think the British system offers like six month free assessment um which can get you can get you going um it can it can be a little it can open up uh, open things up like you said you have to match with your therapist you know yeah because it's very intimidating yeah it's extremely intimidating to not only you know accept that you need help but find somebody you match up with yeah totally yeah Mm. yeah but that's what's important if you get a relationship you know you got you got to base it off the relationship and what they specialize in. So p- some people know what they need help with. Just look into that. It's it's very easily researchable. So yeah, thanks for bringing that up because I think yeah. it's really important. And and like right at the start of a therapy journey, you might not necessarily have much self esteem or just 
um, or just an inner like intuition that would say to you like, Oh, this doesn't feel good. Um, but I'm just going to ignore it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But with it, with a therapist, it is very important to like do your research and, and come to someone that's, um, trusting match for you. And yeah. like, like you said, like is trained in the area that you need help with as well. So yeah, yeah thanks for that. You're welcome. And, and one of the frustrating parts of me at that time was that how was I to recognize the emotions I needed help with when I couldn't even disidentify or recognize the ones I was lost in. Yeah. And there's a huge part of that. And that's what makes that, that's what made me feel so lost, you know, and, and, but just, I, I just promise these people, like, just, if you just one therapist every week or psychologist, I would suggest because they give you work to do where you actually help get through it and it does become talking sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what helped me ride the waves. I saw therapists and I saw people who were talking to me in circles, but there was no cognitive behavioral therapy being done. There right. was no reshaping your thoughts, reshaping what you wanted to say to this voice in your head to yeah. help you actually get a, a voice of your own in your mind. So yeah, that's really interesting. Actually, I, t- I saw a therapist to increase my self-esteem to begin with. Mm. And that was just increasing self-esteem, just making me feel like I was worthy to sit there and have a conversation with somebody. But mm-hmm. that, and then I outgrew that, that model and that therapy. And like you were saying, there's no like um, cognitive behavioral therapy going on. And, and then, yeah, I sort of, I sought a psychotherapist after that when we did started doing real like psyche um, techniques. Yeah. Like deep dives. Mm-hmm. And, and that actually brings up another point is that you recognized you needed to get out and, and maybe dive a little deeper or find a different way to fix what was wrong, fix what mm. was healthy. Well, I did as well, but a lot of people, including myself, once I was diagnosed with stuff, you get lost in that little train and it becomes almost an identity. Mm-hmm. When you start having these conversations, you built up this relationship, you become addicted to the relationship you have with these people you're talking to because yeah. you didn't have an open relationship outside of therapy. You weren't able to mm-hmm. talk to anybody openly and honestly and vulnerably. Yeah. So like, yeah. You, need, you need to, they, you know, you need to remember why you're there. And in order to get more vulnerable um, relationships outside of therapy, you're going to need to fix what is unhealthy. And then you can have mm-hmm. countless then, you know, yeah. so that that's, that's a hard part to disidentify with as, as well. I mean, yeah. I was, can resonate with that yeah and i and at the time with with the first therapist that i saw you know she wanted to speak a little bit about you know it wasn't like a cognitive thing that i did to leave that like professional relationship i i left on uh for a month to nepal um at the time i just i felt like i just needed to go and get out of the country and do something else and also I had a few occurrences with him that were just really uncomfortable and and I just had a feeling like, Oh, that was uncomfortable. Not sure why. And it just made me feel uneasy and and all these things kind of stacked up on me. And then I decided to leave the therapy. So it wasn't like a cognitive choice that I made, but I, I definitely had, what I'm trying to say is that even if you don't understand the things that you do, you you necessarily do those things anyway. Right. And that also brings up something I didn't mention is that when you sit down and listen to these mental voices, you'll notice the, they are repetitive and over a week or a month or a year, you're going to notice you answering the same exact way, acting the same exact way. And Mm. that happened with me and my first therapist is that we were going down the same routes. We're going on the same routes. We're talking about the same stuff. And it was not helping me change the direction in a more healthy way, like what I wanted to fix. It was, it was just adding to really what I had a a problem with. But again, like I can understand people will go that way. I talked to Mm. now my like 10 years, almost in healthcare and emergency medical services. Like I've talked to people who, who are just looking for that somebody to talk to, but mm-hmm. I just want to stress like, you know, the ability to change it's, you know, it's neuroplasticity done with a lot of research online. I am no doctor, mm-hmm. but 
your brain is malleable and it changes and it's just, it, mm -hmm. it takes you to, to take the lead and, and make changes on your own in order to do that. So, and that's one yeah. of the ways. Yeah. Yeah. That speaks to me of like, um, great Albert Einstein quote that I love is like, nothing can be fixed from the consciousness that creates it. Yeah. No problem can be fixed from the consciousness that creates it. You know, it's, um, yeah. it's like with the new, I'm also no doctor, but the neuroplasticity thing is like, it grooves, it, it sets the groove in, in the brain channels, you know, the neural neural networks get, um, used to firing in those ways. So like they always say in neuroscience, neurons that fire together, wire together. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just, it's literally sort of, if you want to break it right down, it's like just habit. It's just literally habit. Like whatever you do a lot of, you're more likely to do more of. Mm -hmm. and Going out of comfort. And this is the part of uh, riding the waves of change is that when I started taking the active approach to actually change who I was, how I thought and how I went about these thoughts, it was extremely emotional. And there was grieving processes that I didn't expect and it was, it was identifying, it was recognizing and willing to change these addictions I had towards these feelings, even if they were destructive. I, mm -hmm. I lost very important relationships in my life, um, one from the head injury and two from along the way, just trying to shed what I was trying to disidentify with, not having cognitive distortions and narcissistic characteristics interact with these people, but mm -hmm. really just trying to be vulnerable, but it, it, it just wasn't healthy. And I, I needed some help with that. Mm -hmm. And while writing the ways to change, that's when I started really seeing, you know, what true compassion and love is from, from the people, from family and friends that, that were willing to stand by and support me. But what needs to be recognized here though, too, is that in order for any of this to change, in order for you to to move in the direction where you're, you feel healthier and happier and content. Um, the changes that need to be made are not just personally, you know, in your head and the way you think and go about things um, and habits. It is, it is, you need to look at your environment and look at the people you hang around with, you know, even if it is your family. And for me, it was, there were people in my family who were not the most supportive, but, it also wasn't totally their fault. They are mm -hmm. going along with mental processes that were given to them by my parents' parents. And that is just the way it is. It, it's not totally their fault. They can't see it, but it's all done out of comfort and their own safety. And in order for that to change, in order for me to change, I needed to get out of those environments. I needed to disassociate those relationships. I, need, I needed to space myself off from that. And with that came also other family members who I would like to talk to, but through association, it's impossible. And, and people will be able to see those relationships if they decide to make those moves. But it's unless you're willing to make those changes, you're not going to make room inside yourself and inside your head to make those positive changes. You are the sum of the five people you hang around with. Mm -hmm. And until you start changing those people in those environments, this change, it will not substantially happen. It will not, um, mm. won't happen long-term. So. Yeah, for sure. And I think, yeah, it also speaks to like, once you begin to change, you actually begin to see friction come through in those old relationships. Like if, if the people in your environment don't, align with the change that you're making then they'll start you know naturally start to to give give friction around that and you know there's a choice there's a choice point in in there that might be painful sometimes mm -hmm. but but there is a certain level of choice there like am i going to receive this friction and allow it to slow me down or do i really really need this change to happen and mm -hmm. uh, in well, my own, yeah Sorry, I just quickly in my own experience, I've I've experienced many, many close relationships and friendships that haven't like survived that growth, for sure. So. Yeah, yeah, I know, and it's um, it's unfortunate, and mm. but at the same time, it helped me, and I think you, 
you know, for instance, this relationship alone, Peter, it helps you better define what love and compassion and understanding and commitment is. Um, It helps you, it helps you better see and feel what it actually is Mm -hmm. instead of what you were given um, and what you were told to just kind of, just kind of go along with, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and, riding the waves of change just to highlight again is it took a lot of self-motivation and changing of environments and relationships. Um, but it also took, you know, kind of just shifting a little bit how I, where I wanted my attention to go. Um, and there's, you know, some, you could say mindfulness, you know, you could say that meditation helped, you could say, but, but just even like, you know, you have a bracelet on every time you see it, you realize, okay, where's my attention? Like, where would I want it to be instead? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you can start looking into, you know, the therapy or the self-help books or finding different ways to cope. Um, you know, it's like ch- change is what I unknowingly undertook, um, but is what profoundly shifted my perspective on things. And like, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's ridiculous, but Google is an outstanding resource if you, you know, want to find ways to just, just change a little bit, you know, change your habits. Yeah. I think you mentioned Google is, is, but it is a wonderful, I mean, I use it cozier and it's another, there are other brands out there, but (laughs) Google, Google is like the hive mind, isn't it? I guess. And the re the way that I see the internet internet is just such an amazing resource um, to like, maybe just bring a bit more equity into the world mm-hmm. just because it gives every single person like on the planet, the ability to know things. You just have to go out there and, and search for long enough. Like you have to search the right things, but that comes in time, right? You search something you're like, Oh, that's curious. Oh, mm-hmm. that's curious. And then suddenly you're on, you know, neuroplasticity or something if you're interested in that. But yeah, it's an incredible resource. Yeah. And, and just like I would say to the relationships in your life, if you are trying to decide whether they are beneficial for you or not, Mm -hmm. um, rational thinking, if you can look at what you're Googling online in order to find help or, or in the relationships in your life, if they're helpful or not, rationally look at this stuff and question. So it can, it can help, you know, change the direction of your life, you know, yeah, like source, like discernment, source, source um, analysis. So yeah. an, uh, analyzing sources, critical thinking, rational thinking. Yeah, they're yeah, all. Sure. And that and that really speaks to the space, right? It's those are ways to cultivate and and analyze things, not just to be emotionally charged by something. Right. Well, and you know, question your emotional. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Question. What question. emotion is charging you? Question everything. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Lovely. That's that was a good section. Thanks. Yeah. Really cool. Oh yeah. So the next one you picked is love through hardship. through hardship what what do you want to say about that yeah and we i guess i guess i kind of accidentally opened up this uh (laughs) the ways of change was um yeah yeah you know the hardship in my life was helped me was what helped me you know better define love i um Mm -hmm. i've been fortunate enough to have a few good friends and a loving you know, girlfriend who has been extremely supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I was given the definition of love by my surroundings when I grew up, but this definition of love, um, you know, had its guidelines and it was, yeah. it was, it was given to me as well, the definition of, and I, I wanted to redefine that. And it was when I started using this, this rational thinking, um, 
and started questioning reality, I started questioning these people that I quote unquote was in love with and ex- expressed the phrase love to each other. Um, mm. and when I, when I heard their answers to like, I, I was looking to change as a person, I, I questioned like, why are we doing this? This doesn't feel right. Um, you know, in in situations and actions and everything, um, I would hear, well, you know, that's just the way it is for some people, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I just, that was one of my biggest, um, you know, kind of alarms, like this isn't going to work out. You know, you can't change somebody unless they want to change themselves. Mm -hmm. And for as much love and support as I wanted to give these, these people, these family members in my life, um, I wasn't going to change for the better if I didn't space myself up from that, you know? And I heard a lot of the, you can't deny who you are. Like that to me was just another excuse, you know? So I was supposed Mm -hmm. to accept that. And I would say this to these people that I'm supposed to accept that I'm anxious. I'm jealous. I'm conceited. I'm shameful. I'm resentful. I'm these emotional reactions and thoughts (laughs) that are given to me. That hit me hard. Like, (laughs) That you was, know, yeah. and, and it does. And, yeah. and at the same time, there's this comfort with it. Mm. it. There's this comfort with it because you are told and said in it, and it gives you self-esteem when you can stand up to somebody and it gives you self-confidence when you can say these negative things to other people and get some of an applause on Facebook or, re- mm. or in reality, whatever it is. Mm. But you go home at night and you're having trouble falling asleep because all this is still running in the background. Yeah, exactly. You know, and yeah. it's it was when I started recognizing and spacing myself up from from those people and those habits that these people showed up and have been with me since. Yeah. Show the love that I am now looking to, you know, integrate and create in my own life. Yeah. That's beautiful, man but you can relate to all this too, Peter. I can, I can. We've talked about this extensively in the past and yeah, it's interesting what you say, like, and what I'm hearing from that is the rigid roles, you know, rigid roles that um, people use to make themselves feel comfortable, I guess. It's like you mentioned feeling shameful, but I think it's very much part of like a shame system where, where the normality is set in in the like in the in the i guess in the power structure of of every every family has a power structure mm-hmm. so the people in power set the power structure and then they kind of shame people into line you know and you know that there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there about conscious parenting right now and and allowing children to be empowered to make like to understand who they are right rather than being like shamed into line mm-hmm. and the education system is is very much like that we get put in a class and we have these set um criteria and if you don't meet the criteria then you're you're an idiot or you're dumb you're never going to make anything of your life so mm. it's it's a very linear way to think isn't it and I resonate with what you're saying about people telling you, you know, you've got to accept, you have to accept this reality. They're almost, they're almost telling you like you don't have a chance. There's no chance of another reality. So you better just go ahead and accept this. And what I chose, what I chose to see that as is like, you're telling me that you're not going to change, right? Mm -hmm. Like another reality is not possible for you in your life because whatever someone else says to me is a reflection of their own being right but it's just that we don't necessarily know that until we go on the you know meditation journey or you know any any way that we can like find a bit of space and and recognize that 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 their thoughts and feelings are their own not not mine right yeah well and that takes a huge amount of of um of commitment and openness and um courage and courage man tons of courage um you know it's 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 one thing and it it sounds easy as i say it in this you know 15 minute section that Mm. i needed to let go of relationships um that were that close to me and were family 
and none of it was easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, in my mind, what I felt that love shouldn't come with guidelines and, and mm-hmm. love shouldn't come, um, with ways that you should be, they shouldn't come with rules. Um, it should come with selflessness and it should come with courage and it should come with compassion. And if you have to change yourself in order to be in love with these people and, but it's all for the better, that's what love should be. And, you know, it was only when I went through, you know, hardship myself, you know, and, and, and both in their life too, though, you know, it, it helps me show up better for them. Now, these people that I'm in, you know, in true love with, I can now better show up for them by their example and by what I want to better define as love now, you know, you know, it's, it's in order it's to let go of that comfortable, but negative ways of, of interacting in love and compassion, you know, is only gonna, is only gonna benefit you, you know, in the future with relationships, you know, and that's Mm. impossible to see, but I'm just hoping that by hearing this and, going on your own that you'll be able to even see a little bit of that yeah i think it's really important to find i think that's what mentorship is really it's like finding people that um have a different way of life that you feel called to you know and then just you know taking their expressions and feelings and as a possibility of what life can be Mm -hmm. and i definitely used people um like resourcefully in that way um not that i completely use them like i know that's a a a charge term um but um it was an exchange like i i was mentored by people that had self-esteem for example before i had self-esteem right yeah and and i love what you say about the right the people come into your life that start to celebrate actually who you are like when we have talks justin like all I'm really worried about is, are you being authentic to yourself? Like, or, are, you know, are you getting in your own way? Like, what is it that you want to achieve? All of those things, like, that's what I want to see for you. And, and I feel like that's true love, you know? Well, and, and what you show is also, what can I do to help you get that? Right. And that's your, that's your quiet in the background kind of your default mode network you've you've now created through all the stuff we talked about you know that's that's the direction you know you went and that's you're absolutely right and it was yeah you know and what and real quick is just uh the addiction i had to emotions and and those loving relationships and um you know how hard it was for me to detach from that um Oh, shoot. I didn't remember where I was going with that. But that, it'll come to me. Take yeah. a breath. Yeah. Wow. How do you want to continue? Um, well, we could... I know where we left off, and I guess that would kind of help. That, 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 I think that's good for the love and heart stuff through hardship. So if you wanted to, you could... Um, I think we're almost done with that section two already, right? Weren't we? Yeah. Yeah. We got five minutes left, but you know it's all good. Let's. Okay, uh, well then. Okay, then I would like to. Yeah, you got time. This is what I'm saying. You have time to to say something else if you wanted to. Yeah. Okay, and just add to it. Yeah, yeah. then I'll leave a little space when I think about it. It's um. Mm-hmm. So what were we talking about? Just people coming into life. Um, yeah, being then... aligned, being aligned, and wanting to help and wanting to see authenticity from you and what you want to achieve, what you want to achieve. And then once you said though, you know, that's the space we, you, you give to me and then you go beyond and you're saying, how can I help you get those? You know, mm. I just, yeah, it's lost. I'll come up yeah. with it. That's cool. You Wait, meant, later you meant to say it anyway. <laughs> so, okay. Great. I mean, yeah, let's move on, man. This is so good. Um, so the last section is a free 15. It's like whatever. It's like a blank canvas. You can paint whatever you like on it. So um, if there's anything you want to talk about. Um, uh, yeah. Um, you know, I guess this kind of combines all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, recognizing the 
inner voices, um, best recognizing them, um, you know, finding the right people so that you can actually put yourself through these changes because there is going to be grieving and shedding of identities you didn't even know existed. Yeah. Um, you know, and most importantly with, with trauma or however you define that as your life experiences, not being able to get over them emotionally is that, um, it's all going to come with a sense of fear. Change comes with fear Mm -hmm. and more importantly, accountability to be personally accountable for your actions is a tremendous undertaking, um, that I, I think people aren't going to recognize until they, they try to stake it, take a step in that direction. And then that's when you'll start redefining love and start seeing yourself in a different light. It's just, um, mm-hmm. but that's the only way that it's going to start changing in your life. And, you know, it's like, I've spent my whole life trying to get somewhere in hopes of finding happiness. I've created these imaginary finish lines through firefighting, uh, nice cars, um, through Amazon shopping, you know, through just Mm -hmm. coming home in these negative habits, but it was all giving me positive feelings. Um, and that's when I had to start being accountable for the way I reacted to these quote unquote positive feelings. Um, Mm -hmm. I had to be accountable and recognize and admit that they were only there for me to make me feel better in the moment, but feelings fade. Mm-hmm. They come and they go just as quick as a car driving by. And I just hope the people know that are listening that um, even if you feel motivated right now, like you're, you're going to need to find that again. And, and you can replay this over and over as much as you want. You're going to feel excited to do this and motivated to do, but you're going to need a reminder in five minutes or in five days, whatever it is for you. But like, just don't lose hope that it's there. Um, and it's when you start recognizing and and becoming accountable for these actions, you're going to gently shift the attention you have towards your life and it will, it will benefit you, but just, just keep at it and, and recognize you have the support that's out there, including myself and and other people so yeah it's beautiful thanks yeah it's so important those things that you mentioned like support and accountability they're so important and i feel like um i feel like modern culture is quite isolating you know it's like that individualist kind of consumerist thing you mentioned with the cars and amazon shopping and we're sort of saying this kind of narrative that, you know, if you buy, go out and buy something, if you have things, then you're going to be satisfied. I guess, I guess you are satisfied, but, but fulfillment is a very, very different thing, right? It's a very different thing. And the only way that I found to do that is to get clear on your values and your purpose in life. Just have, I, I believe there's, through my own work there's just been this thread of purpose like it's been the same for years and whether i've managed to see it or not it's still been there so i think you're right it's just things come and go like feelings come and go motivations come and go there's projects that you can undertake or like you can have like a 10 year career and then it come to a close and you embark on the next chapter of your life but Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a common denominator in all those things, which is you, right? Well, yeah, and and this is like the accountability and change and everything is like recognizing where your motivation is coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesse Simpson, you know, he's, he has the article of changing your morning habits, and like he's right yeah. on, man. Like, uh, you know, you, you if you start to shift the way your your attention and your perspective if you start shifting the way you want your life to go and in, in a, a little bit and you change these habits um you know it'll make a huge difference stick to it for a week just give yourself a week give yourself five days you know and then give yourself a month and then see where it goes but also recognize where your motivation is coming from for doing things if it's if it's to be the next tony robbins for me and for my for instance that was me for a while mm-hmm is the only reason that I would be writing articles or going on podcasts is to be the next Tony Robbins. 
then I needed uh, um, a check. I needed to be put in check and by compassion friends and just, it's never going to get you what you want. If you're going to the job and you're getting the next promotion for some self-esteem or self-confidence boost, it's never going to be enough. Mm -hmm. If you're going, if you're getting the job only for the money so that you can have enough of it and you can get to retirement, it's never going to be enough because you'll get there and you realize you still feel empty. Yeah. And these people might have felt this already. And, and, you know, that's, that's why, um, you know, gosh, I just wanted to, to say it out loud for these people that it is, it is a common human condition. Mm. Um, you know, but it's up to you truly to, to change it and up to you to Mm -hmm. find the people that will help you through it. And, Mm -hmm. and they're right here, man, you're already on your phone and you're already online. All you gotta do is look for therapists, psychologists and groups to help you. Right. And there's 7 billion people on this planet. There's, there's (laughs) people out there, you know, you know, we can only hold like, what is it? 150 emotional connections in our lives, apparently. It's like we only have space in our system to do that. Um, so, you know, like if you do the ratios, you know, like there's a lot of people out there and there's already, like I know in my own experience, like I never believed that I could exist in community with like the people that I exist in community now with, you know? Absolutely. I never believed it. What a perfect example with how many things you're you're, uh, you're actively in and the groups, even the man's group, I mean, mm-hmm. you, I mean, look where you've come in six months. Yeah. Yeah. Long way for sure. Yeah. And most of that's just been belief. And like, I like what you say about fear because fear is always there. And I love what Elizabeth Gilbert says about fear. You know, it's like, I mean, embracing fear is so essential because it is a part of life. Mm-hmm. You deny any aspect of life, then you will, you know, deny your growth, your progression, you know. Mm -hmm. And from what I can tell, we only get one of these. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Right? This is all a drug experience anyway. You you know, it's like you just, it's all just an experience and you're looking for the next happy feeling and and, and the next. Yeah. This could all be a computer program, but we won't put on that road. I don't know. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, there's so many frameworks, isn't there, for understanding um, life. You know, you get the transhumanist, the the, the computer game theory people, the spiritual people, the, you know, the yogic people believe in reincarnation, Buddhists. um, Yeah, it's just, I love it. I think it's so fun. Actually, (laughs) I've traveled the world for like, over 10 years now just looking for other cultures looking for other mindsets and just talking to people like how do you feel about that mm. why is it that you eat that over the this and like i remember when i first traveled to china i went there to to teach english for a summer just to get out of my country and experience something completely different and i stayed with a family and taught english in a school and uh, in the evening, I'd sit up with the guy who ran the school and drink a loose leaf tea and just talk about things. Mm. And it's just, it's completely mind, the paradigm just opens up, you know, it's just completely mind, mind bending stuff. You know, you just, this life is so rich. It's so rich and wonderful. <laughs> it's so full of things. You can do like so many things with life, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just, I think the confusion comes when, when people are like, I don't know, I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, I'm not and sure, I'm not sure what, what to do. do. Yeah. yeah. And maybe get to a frustrating point that they didn't pick where they put themselves now and they're not picking their own thoughts and emotions. Yeah. But it all starts somewhere, you know? Yeah. Like you move through those things, right? You move through the confusions. Like I didn't yeah. know how, who I was. So I started experimenting. And then I did a bunch of stuff that felt a bit weird. Like I was just like, oh, that doesn't feel great. Okay, that's not me. Move on. Like it's a process, right? I think a lot of people are stuck in that place where they're like, I don't want to try anything because it's scary. 
Mm-hmm. You know, but you'll never move from that space to the space you want to get to unless you go into those things that are scary or you don't know what's going to happen. Or, Well, and that's, that's like a truth that I'm having trouble seeing past is that now that I understand this such about the human brain and, um, and emotions, it, it, life is an emotional experience. And if you aren't willing to step out into an uncomfortable area, you have just stamped yourself with the same exact emotional reactions for the rest of your life. You yeah. will be reacting. You will be angry at drivers on the road. You'll be angry at a coworker. You'll be jealous of this. You'll be, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's so limiting and yeah. it's, it's very frustrating. And, you know, some people might get sick of that on their own, but yeah. there are the tools out there to help you change that. Yeah, I hear that. It is. It seems frustrating. I've been there too. I think. I think we can get to these places where we're trying to like control our experience of life. Maybe, maybe slightly denying certain aspects. Like, you know, if you deny something that's quote unquote like, well, maybe an inconvenient or wrong or bad experience, then it goes in a box and then it stays there and it's always in that box in you. Right. Mm. It's always a part of you. Right. Like you want to identify an addiction. It's an easy one. And mm. then it's arguing against reality. Yes. Like consider complaining. I mean, I still do it in my head, mm. you know, not as much as I used to for sure, but it's like, it's never going to change unless I want to change how accountable I want to be for my own actions. Right. I mean, complaining gives you a feeling of, control of maybe the care and compassion you missed out on when somebody, you know, says, Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Da, da, da. But it's like my best friend said to me, you know, it's like, but what are you doing to change that? What are you doing? And yeah. I was complaining because it was addicting. It was giving me the comfort that I feel I missed out on in my childhood. Yeah. And a lot of people I feel suffer. That's where the identity came with me when I got diagnosed with multiple personality disorder and attachment disorder. I was given an identity and then I could just kind of nestle myself in there and I could complain the whole time and just act like I was getting what I needed. Yeah. And it's incredible how, how much validation you can get in our society with complaining. So long as you hang out with the same people. <laughs> yeah. It's so it's so easy. You can choose that. You can have a whole life of it. It's like it happens all the time in the UK. Yeah. Just yeah, everyone complains at each other. Oh yeah, yeah, that feels really good. Yeah. Let's complain about things. And yeah, you never you never move forward and change what and also just wanted to say that um a lot of spiritual thought would say that once you define something um, as wrong and you're like trying to not be that it, it actually goes so far as to defining who you are so who you are becomes I don't like this rather mm-hmm. than if you have anger and you feel the anger in you then it's gone it's felt if you feel despair you feel the despair it's like okay what's that here for and then it's gone so yeah it's not easy to get there but it does, it sounds simple, but it's not easy, but yeah. Yeah. It's like when you're, when you're done arguing with reality, um, (laughs) that's true. Then, you know, then that's like the point, then you can make the changes that, that we just talked about and, and, you know, take a conscious breath or, or look for a psychologist because it might be something deep. Yeah. You're having trouble getting through, but You know, I want to be in a relationship, but I don't need to be. And I, you know, I want to change jobs, but I don't need to. I want to move out of this place and go here and do this and be that. But, you know, Mm. until you actually take the steps to change it, you're just going to keep running the same, same mental chatter and same emotional loop. Yeah. So if you run, if you just run that chatter in your mind, then if you run the chatter while you're experiencing the thing that's the chatter is related to then fair enough you know because you're actually doing the thing that requires the mental chatter Mm. but then if you're just at home like on the sofa every day after work just running that mental chatter and never doing it then arguably it's an energy depletion isn't it it's Mm -hmm. a way to sabotage your energy yeah yeah for sure because it feels comfortable 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I love all these conversations. Yeah. Since we started. Yeah. Beautiful. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this, Peter. Another episode, another great reflection of insights, conversation around hardship, a human story. I want to thank everyone for listening today. Thank you. I want to thank Justin for stepping into this space. It wasn't a comfortable space to begin with. But as you can see from the episode, it was incredibly valuable. Two opportunities um, for you all, my loves. I have set up a Patreon account um, for the podcast. So if you feel called to support the podcast, you can do so. And we have a newly um, formed Facebook community group called We Are The Light People where we engage in these kinds of conversations. So if you feel called to do so, just send a request to We Are The Light People on Facebook. Thank you all and take care.